give me my crown so I can lay it down so I can tell him how much his mercy means right now I got this race to run I strive to overcome and I'm fighting for a prize it's a precious crown of life someday it shall be mine and when it's my time to shine I'll take my crown and lay it at his feet and I'll tell him how much his mercy means to me. He didn't come out of nobody. And when we stand before him, we're not going to see three, Brother Leon. We're going to see one. And I'm thankful tonight that I know who he is. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. It's great to be here tonight. I love being in the house of the Lord. Y'all have to pray for me. If I don't, I'm going to have to be pulling my pants up because I've lost so much weight. I may have to cinch my belt tighter before I get done preaching tonight. But it was worth it. It was worth it. If you didn't come this morning or wasn't here, you missed an awesome message. And I thank God tonight for a pastor who has confidence in his ministers. I thank God for that. It's few and far between. And I appreciate that aspect in our pastor. And I appreciate what he said this morning. It takes a real man to apologize. I'm serious. I wasn't offended at you, though. But still, though, it takes a real man to say, hey, I messed up. And see, we can, we can learn by that example. If the man of God's man enough to do it, then we ought to be man and woman enough to do it. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews. Not very long ago, I, I want to say it was a Wednesday night, but I'm, I cannot remember. But Brother Texter preached a message called Lessons from the Bones. You remember that? And as he was preaching, I, I remembered a message that I preached several years ago. And the Lord began to deal with me about it again. And uh, I, I, I used to think that I shouldn't never preach the same message again. I agree. I used to think that, but I don't anymore because I, I look at what Paul preached, and everywhere he preached, he preached the same message. He preached Jesus Christ, Him crucified risen from the dead, baptism in the name of Jesus, the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Everywhere Paul preached, 
he preached the same message. He was not inconsistent. He did not waver. And he did not change his doctrine. So the Word of God is good. If it was good then, it's good now. Amen. And I want to preach to you tonight out of Hebrews 11, verse 22. And it says, By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, and gave commandment concerning his bones. Everybody look towards up here and say, Lord, bless the word. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Kind of a strange thing to put in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. If you're very familiar with the Word of God at all, you'll know that Hebrews 11 is what we call the Hall of Faith. And it starts out with how that it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith moved the heart of God. From Genesis to where we are right now, faith still moves the heart of God. Brother Mark, when God sees faith, He steps down off of His throne, I believe, and He comes to move on the behalf of those who believe. He told His disciples, He said, if you have the faith of the grain of mustard seed. Right here, this little piece of paper that Pastor handed out not long ago, he still has it up here. And it says, do you have this much faith? And in the corner it has a mustard seed taped to the corner. And almost, if you, if you had poor eyesight, you probably could not see that little seed taped on this thing, even with me holding it this close. And Jesus is so moved by faith that He will, he will part seas, He will bring mountains low, he will, he will move in situations where people just believe. There was a centurion one time that came to Jesus. And he said, my servant is sick. Can you touch him? Jesus said, well, I'll come to him. And he said, no. He said, you, you're a man like me. You, you've got authority. He said, all you need to do is just speak the word where you're at. And I know the work will be done. And Jesus marveled at this centurion. This man was not even a Jew. He was considered a dog. He was not even in the covenant of God. Amen. At that time. But Jesus was so moved by this man's faith. That he marveled and said, I've not seen so great a faith, not in all of Israel. God is moved by our faith. Strange passage of Scripture concerning the bones of Joseph. Joseph, if you know anything about the story of Joseph, you'll find out that Joseph was a favored man. When Joseph was born, he was the child of his father's old age. He was born to the favored wife. He got tricked into marrying the wrong woman. <laughs> well, could I preach on that for a few minutes? I better move right along. 
He got tricked into marrying the wrong woman and he, he wasn't in love with Leah. But nonetheless, he went ahead and they had children and he, he worked seven more years for the one that he wanted. And as an old man, he had this son named Joseph and immediately, Joseph had great favor. Allow me to give a history, a backdrop of history for a few moments of time. In the book of Genesis, after Joseph's life was coming to an end, we know that he was, he was uh, uh, envied by his brothers. We know that they sold him into slavery. We know that he was carried down to Egypt and became the great emancipator of the people of God through the famine that happened and the wisdom that God gave Joseph. He had two sons born to him, Ephraim and Manasseh. They were considered what some today would call half-breeds. They were half-Israelite and they were half-Egyptian. It was a type of Christ and His church. Joseph, when he died, the Bible said in Genesis 50, verse 24 and 25, And when Joseph, and Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you, and bring you out, of this land, or unto the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. Let's go back in history for a moment of time, one more time. Let's read about what God spoke. Or I'm not going to really read it, but I'm going to give you just a quick overview of what went on with Abraham. In chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, the Bible said that God called to a man named Abram. And He told him to get up out of his father's house and to leave and to sojourn into a country that He would give as an inheritance to him for being obedient. The latter part of the chapter 12 Abram was found in the land of Egypt. Somehow him and his sons always ended up in Egypt. The Bible said that Abram saw that he was in most great trouble when he went down to Egypt because the men began to look at his wife and she was very fair to look upon. So he had to combine, concoct a scheme, amen, that would, that would try to save his life. And he told everybody that Sarah was his sister. And so Pharaoh said, you know what, I like her. And it was in that custom, the king could have anybody that he wanted. Amen. But God began to deal with Pharaoh and warn him about this man named Abram and the judgment that would come upon him for messing with this man of God. So Abram departed from Egypt, his wife untouched. And when he left Egypt, the Bible said that Pharaoh had made him very wealthy. Chapter 13, the Bible said, that Abram goes out blessed out of Egypt. Him and Lot go together. And Lot's men and him begin to strive together with each other. Amen. And they departed 
from each other's company. Lot went towards Sodom. Amen. And Abram went the other way. And God, when he departed from Lot, when, when Abram got separated from his hindrance, God began to show him the great inheritance that he would have. Somebody in this place needs to get separated from their hindrances tonight. I'm not talking about from your spouse. I'm talking about from ungodly things that you allow to go on in your life. Weights, amen, and sin that so easily besets you. They hinder you, amen, from the promises of God. Amen. We've got to separate ourselves. God said, come out from among them and be ye a separate people. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Chapter 14, Lot gets in trouble. He gets captured. Abraham goes out to save his hide one more time. And the Bible said that he came back from the slaughter of the kings. And there he met a man named Melchizedek in the way returning from the slaughter of the kings. And Melchizedek blessed him because Abraham paid tithes unto him. Chapter 15 is where, where things begin to get really awesome in Abraham's life. Yes, he's been blessed. He's He's been blessed by Pharaoh and come out rich out of Egypt. He's slaughtered all the kings of all, all the ones that tried to come against Lot. And, and then now he, he met Melchizedek and he's blessed by, I believe, who was God Himself. Right. And in chapter 15, God really begins to start talking to Abraham. I know this is unorthodox tonight a little bit, but just bear with me for a moment of time. God begins to speak to Abram in the, in the 15th chapter of Genesis, and He begins to tell him of a covenant that He's going to establish with him. And you'll find in the 15th chapter, verses 12 through 14 that a deep sleep falls on Abram the Bible said when the sun was going down a deep sleep fell upon Abram and lo a horror of great darkness fell upon him and God spoke to him and said, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. And shall serve them and they shall afflict them four hundred years. I want you to listen to verse 14 really well. Because my goal tonight is to preach some chains off of you and some blessings on to you. And I believe that can be done through the preaching of the Word of God. He said, And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward they shall come out with great substance. God begins to speak to this man of God. All Abram did was obey God. 
He heard the voice of God for the very first time. He did not ask for the second time to hear His voice. When God said, get up in Genesis 12, Abram got up and he left all of his things. He took his wife and he left everything that he had. God will not leave your sacrifice unnoticed. He will bless you for what you give tonight. I'm not talking about in money necessarily. But when you give of yourself. Sister Texter sings a song, I give myself away so you can use me. Abraham is the father of three main religions in this world. The three most well-known religions, Abraham is considered the founder of it. He was a very blessed man. But God spoke to him and he said, Your people are going to be servants in a land that is strange to them. And he said, That nation I'm going to judge. And he said, When it's over, they're going to come out with great substance. Now let's skip forward to the future for a while. Joseph is dying again. And the Bible said that he made mention concerning his bones. If you read over and you skip over into the next chapter of the first book, or the first chapter of the next book, you'll find in Exodus chapter 1 that God is about to send deliverance. For 400 years, they've passed down a story that Abram had told to his son, and his son had told to his son, and so on and so forth. They had heard the story of how that, that, that the children of Israel were going to be in bondage for 400 years. We know that Joseph went to Egypt, amen, as a slave, and he died as a king. He went down there as a slave, and he died as a king. Now why would this man make mention concerning his bones? Why would he want to leave a land, amen, that started out so bad but ended up so good? Why would he want to be, be separated? My God have mercy. Why would he want to be separated from the land of Egypt after they had been so blessed there, after his family had been treated so kind by Pharaoh? But the Bible said in the book of Exodus chapter 1 verses 7 and 8 and the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty. Now the Bible talks about the word mighty and there's two different words that are used here in the Bible for the word mighty. This one is atsum which means to be powerful or numerous. Now personally, I believe that they were both. I'm talking about physically, they were powerful. And in number, they were multiple. The reason I say that is because the children of Israel were made to be slaves. Now I don't think that they were starved to death because I believe the food in Egypt was good. Because you'll read later on in the wilderness experience while they were eating the manna and their soul loathed the manna they began to long for the land of Egypt because they liked what they were getting fed over in Egypt. I believe because they were worked to death. Amen. In the pits and in the making the brick and the mortar and building the 
land of Egypt. I believe that they gained physical strength. Amen. Because you know if you work your body out, amen, you're going to get strong, Brother Mark. The Bible said they, they multiplied. They were exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. Then it says in verse 8, there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. You've got to understand the favor that this man had in the land of Egypt. He was a one God believer. He was, he was brought into a place of such culture shock Brother Dave, that, that I can't imagine how, how he had been raised all of his life, favored by his father, and then he ends up in this land of great paganism that worships such strange and false gods, and not just one, but many. But how he, he gained great favor in this land where they knew not God. But all of a sudden he became a great witness because Pharaoh noticed the excellent spirit that was in Joseph. Amen. And knew that he was hearing from a God. Amen. That his sorcerers couldn't conjure up, baby. I'm telling you, good God Almighty, that we need to stand firm on our doctrine. Amen. And hold on to this apostolic faith hallelujah of one God there's still one Lord one faith one baptism one God and father of all who is above all through all and in you all his name is still Jesus I don't care if they don't like us right now. But if they'll just come, they'll find out there's something different than their dead and their dried up religion. This man had great favor after he come out of the pit. I mean, he went down into Potiphar's house, ended up the pit of, into the pit of prison. And ended up Pharaoh number two. Started out as a slave and ended up as a king. Oh, good God Almighty. I feel the Holy Ghost. I know I'm not preaching the way I normally do. But just hang on for a few minutes. God, God raised up a man. They were killing all the newborn boys. In Egypt at this time because Pharaoh was getting a revelation of what was happening. He was seeing their, their number multiply greatly. He was watching them grow and become mighty. I believe, Brother Texter, that he had a revelation that if these people ever understand how big they are in the land of Egypt, they can overthrow us. So he said, I'm going to put on them and I'm going to set taskmasters over them and they're going to be in bondage to us. See, it depends on your mentality tonight. Whether or not you're coming out of bondage. The scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
And if you think you can't get out of your bondage, then you're stuck. I used the example one time months ago, maybe sometime at the early last year, about the elephant in India. The most powerful mammal that walks on the earth is an elephant. And if you, I've never been there, but I've got some friends that are from there. And if you go there, if you look at pictures and, and see things on the internet of, of India, you'll know that they use elephants as pack animals. And this elephant is so powerful. The largest one ever recorded was over 13 feet tall and weighed over 24,000 pounds. That's a big critter. <laughs> but they'll take this baby from, from birth as it's weaned off of its mother and they will tie an iron shackle to break him. And to train him to stay put. Thou tie an iron shackle around his ankle. And tie it to a post. With a chain. That baby elephant's not powerful enough to break the chain. He'll try. He'll struggle. He'll make his legs bleed. Or just the one leg. Bleed trying to get away from the bondage that he's in. Because he was born free. It is very unnatural for a wild animal to be caged. They will attack you because they, they have freedom built into their spirits. This baby elephant will jerk and he'll pull and he'll tug until blood runs down his leg to his feet and, and sores begin to canker on his leg. And they'll have to doctor these sores, amen, to keep it from getting infected until the baby finally gives up and realizes I'm in bondage and I can go nowhere. He's still getting bigger. He's getting more powerful. Thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds are added to him as he eats and, and gains strength. But yet, as, as time goes on and he's broke, they'll just take a small rope and they'll tie to that same leg that had been bound up. You hear me tonight. I'm talking to somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight. And he'll just have this little bitty rope tied to him that just at the shake of his leg, Brother Dave, he could break it off at any time because he He's so powerful, but his mind is bound by the shackle, amen, that he had had from the youth up. And he thinks, I can't go anywhere. All he's got to do is just shake his leg a little bit and break the mentality that's in his mind. I'm telling you, somebody in this place is bound in their mind by things that they can't get loose from. But God is saying tonight, shake your leg and break the chain and come out of bondage. Years ago, there was a, and I, hate, I, don't, I really hate to use this analogy, but listen to it for a moment. There was a little cartoon I think Pixar, or I don't remember, somebody 
come out with it. It was called A Bug's Life. I know this is a pitiful analogy, really, but there's a lesson to be learned in, the, in this cartoon. There was a group of ants in this cartoon that once a year they collected food all year. And once a year this gang of rogue grasshoppers would fly into their ant hill. And would demand of them all of their food that they collected all year. I'm just talking about a handful. And the ants were hundreds of thousands. And somebody got the bright idea. We don't need to serve them anymore. And so they come up with this scheme to trick them and to run them off. And it ended up backfiring on them. But as time went on, and the whole group saw the tenacity of one little ant, they realized that they had outnumbered the grasshoppers a hundred to one. And they realized, you know, we may, some of us, end up broken up, but we can take them. I'm talking about a mentality to change your life tonight. Is this okay? So they ended up and they, they overcame their adversary. Because they broke their mentality. If Israel had have ever realized how strong they were getting... Moses would have never had to have been born. But they had chains on their mind. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. This is not the way I intended for this message to go. Somebody once said the mind is a terrible thing to waste. If you could ever understand who you are in God. If you could ever understand the authority that Jesus Christ has given you through His name. And by the power of His Spirit. And He's given you, he's given you this. They knew the prophecy. They, they knew the exact timeline. But they were bound in their mind. This story had been passed down generation to generation to generation. You know how I know? Because we're fixing to find out that when they departed out of Egypt, Moses went down and dug up his coffin and took Joseph's bones with him. They knew the timeline of deliverance. But yet they were still bound in their mind. Because it was the same routine day in. And day out. And I just can't get free from it. Story goes on that Moses is born. After the children of Israel are waxing mighty in the land of Egypt. A new Pharaoh has come along. He does not know Joseph. 
So God raises up a man named Moses. Moses messes up. He's raised in Pharaoh's house. I'm convinced tonight that when he came back to Egypt after his 40-year hiatus in the wilderness, I'm convinced that the Pharaoh that seated on the throne of Egypt knew Moses personally. I mean, who else could go into Pharaoh's house and just walk in there and say, God sent me? I believe they were probably raised up, Brother Leslie, as brothers. I believe that's how close they were to each other. And Moses decides that he can't see his people. Listen. If you're in love with Jesus, the most important people in your life are going to be the people that are sitting in this building tonight. Because the Scripture says, Do good unto all men, especially those who be of the household of faith. I believe they knew one another. He comes back and he tells Pharaoh his agenda there. He hadn't seen, they haven't saw each other for 40 years. He's been away, hid in the wilderness, found a wife, tended sheep, done all these things, but he got an encounter with God. Moses had to break some chains off of his mind before he could go into Egypt. God had to burn a bush up in front of him and speak through the fire. To get this man's attention. And still he tried to convince God not to let him go. I don't care who you are tonight. You can try to run from your calling. You can try to hide in this world. But you can't hide from God tonight. If you've got a calling on your life, the Holy Ghost will hound you until you submit unto the will of God. He came back to Egypt and God began immediately to do miracles through him. Stood in Pharaoh's court, dropped his rod on the ground, and it became a serpent. No big deal. The demon-possessed sorcerers of Pharaoh done the same thing. Then Moses steps out into the water of Egypt, the Nile River, Drops his staff in the water and the water becomes blood. No big deal. Pharaoh's men do that too. Then God says, okay. I'm fixing to show you who the Lord is. Then a plague of frogs came. Then a plague of lice came. Then a plague of flies came. Then a plague of the moraine of the beast came, which means a pestilence at the sense of destroying. And all of a sudden things begin to happen in Egypt that had never been happening before. See, the children of Israel had a place that they dwelled. There were no frogs where they were at. There were no lice where they were at. There were no flies where they were at. What's going on? 
How come the Egyptians, the, the Egyptian witchcraft devils can't do what Moses is doing now? Because everything that God is doing now has a direct, uh, a direct consequence or direct line into the saying, the gods that the Egyptians are serving. They serve these gods and now God is bringing their gods down and saying there's still only one God and you're going to bow your knee to me one way or the other. The frogs, the lice, the flies, the beasts dying. Then all of a sudden balls begin to come upon the Egyptians. But it wasn't found in the house of the Israelites. Then hell came from heaven and locusts and darkness came and they were gnawing on their tongues for the pain. Even in Pharaoh's house, you could hear the wailing of Pharaoh and his people at the God doing great miracles. I'm talking about coming out of bondage. Chapter 11. God begins to speak. I'm, I'm about done, I promise. Just give me just a few more minutes. God spoke to Moses and he said, you, you, you go tell all, all of your people. Go, go to the Egyptians, your Egyptian neighbors. And borrow jewels from them. When God sets you, good God Almighty, when God sets you up, I said, when God sets you up, can't nobody bring you down. So, I mean, where are they going? Where's Israel going? They've, been, they've served us for 400 years. Let's just give them everything. Give them our jewels, our gold. Give them, I mean, their, 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 their cattle was dead. All that was left was what was the children of Israel's. So they had all the cattle. They had Egypt's gold. They had their jewels. And God tells Moses, He said, You tell all the house of Israel to kill them a lamb. And take the blood of that lamb and dip it in hyssop and strike it to the doorpost of your homes because death is coming tonight. And I'm fixing to bring you out. I feel a stirring in my spirit. And they were obedient to the word of Moses that God had instructed him to do. And the night that death entered into the land of Egypt, every household that had blood, their firstborn was alive the next morning. Even Pharaoh's house could have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. But brother, they would not heed to the word of God. And Pharaoh's firstborn son was found dead the next morning. Pharaoh said, I've had enough. Y'all have got to get out. I can't take no more. Your God is too much for us. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, when God decides to bring you out of your bondage, I don't care what the devil says. You have got to come out in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. 
My God, I feel chains coming off people right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> they have my God. You don't understand. The Bible said that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. You don't understand that the Bible said my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Bill Gates may be in the soup line tomorrow, but I and the children of God will still have T-bone steak. David said, I was young, and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging bread. I'm telling you tonight, when God decides to loose you, can't nobody keep you bound. They've got everything that belongs to Egypt. Egypt's cattle's dead. Scars on their body from the bulls. Crops beat down from the hail. What didn't, what didn't, what the hail didn't beat down, the locust stayed up. God left the enemy desolate. Then in chapter 13. The great emancipation took place. Verse 18 says, But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. This, this next line I've read this, I can't tell you how many times, and I've never even seen this word in this passage of Scripture. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And, and, and for some reason, Brother Texter, when I read that, the, the, the word harnessed just jumped out of the page at me, and I was like, harnessed? Ain't a harness something that holds you back? Yeah, it, it is. You know anything about NASCARs? They have a five-point harness that they buckle themselves into. Because just a regular seat belt, Brother Sammy, ain't going to help much when you hit a wall 200 miles an hour head on. I said, now, now Lord, I, I don't know about this. Harnessed? They went up bound out of the land of Egypt? So I got my trusty Strong's out, and I read what the word harnessed was. It's a military term. You read about King Ahab. At his death, the Bible said that an archer, just at random, drew his bow and let the arrow fly. And the Bible said that King Ahab was riding in his chariot and the arrow struck him between the joints of the harness. He was dressed in military apparel. It was a harness that 
good God that kept his military uniform intact. Brother, they came up out of Egypt with war in their spirits. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, amen, they were headed to a land that flowed with milk and honey, the promised land. I believe it's a misnomer tonight to say that the promised land was a type of heaven because I don't, I can't agree with that. The reason I say that is because when they went into the promised land, the first thing they had to do was fight. Amen. I believe the promised land was a type of the rest of God, the Holy Ghost coming and dwelling because you will get into a fight with the devil when God fills you with the Spirit of God. But when you come up out of your bondage, God does not leave you without a harness of war. They came up out of the land of Egypt and they were harnessed. They were ready for war. Not only, not only did God give them all the wealth of Egypt, not only did He bless them with great cattle and substance, but they came out with Pharaoh's weapons too. They were harnessed. They were young. They may have not been ready to fight right then. But they were on their way to a battle. And, they were, and God was prepping them for war. And the Bible said, and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. By the way, I haven't told you, but the title of my message is Don't Leave My Bones Alone. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. 400 years ago, God spoke to him. Or, or jo Joseph spoke. And he said, when you're brought out of the land that you're a stranger in, Take my bones with you. It was a type of victory. Yes, he died a king. But Joseph understood the bondage that was coming to the children of Israel. And he didn't want to be associated and have his bones left in bondage. The ultimate picture of Jesus in the Old Testament was Joseph. There is no other character in the Bible from Genesis to Malachi that can typify Jesus better than Joseph's life did. Nobody. Born favored. Jesus was born favored. The Bible said the child waxed great and grew in favor with both man, with God and man. Out of envy, Joseph's brothers delivered him into slavery. Out of envy, they delivered Jesus to the Romans. Because the Bible explicitly says they did it for envy.
He was made a slave. Jesus took on the sin of the world. He was put in the pit. Jesus was put in a tomb. But out of the pit, he became a king. Out of the tomb, Jesus became the king of kings. Scripture said in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 27. Thou will not leave my soul in hell. Neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Joseph knew the hell that was coming to the children of Israel and said, I don't want to be left in a land of bondage. I don't want my bones to lay in something that typifies sin and something that typifies bondage. I've got to come out. Resurrect me when you leave this place. You may not bring my body with you, but get my coffin and get my bones out and take it to the place that God has promised us because I can't stand to be in bondage any longer. I came here a slave and I'm not staying here the way that I came. Hallelujah. I'm telling you tonight, you need to let Jesus say, you free when the children of Israel came up they had his bones with him they were harnessed for war the scripture says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Paul said to the Ephesian church, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the wicked day or the evil day. When God filled you with the Holy Ghost, when you repented of your sins, were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you were filled with the Holy Ghost. God gave you a helmet of salvation. He gave you a breastplate of righteousness. He gave you shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. He gave you a sword of the Spirit. And He gave you a shield of faith. And I left the last for this. It's not last in the order that Paul wrote it. But I left it this way for a reason. And he said, I have your loins girt about with truth. If you know anything about a coat of mail that those men wore back in those days, those soldiers, the girt that wrapped around their waist held their whole suit together. If you unbuckled it, it all fell apart. That is why today in the church world there are so many people that are still in bondage because they don't have truth. 
You cannot even worship God if you don't have truth tonight. And truth will make you free tonight. Stand with me. I feel in my spirit. I know I'm in the Holy Ghost tonight. And as Sister Texter comes to play, there are people in this building. I know we've fasted. I know we've prayed. I know we've sought God. I know we've done all these things. But I don't want to be left in bondage. She begins to play. These altars are open tonight. I feel victory in this house. I felt it while I was preaching. I don't want any part of me to be left in Egypt. I don't want any part of me to be left in bondage. My wife asked me the funniest question tonight before church. She said, Are you truly happy being apostolic? I just kind of snickered and I said, Absolutely. I am in love with this truth. My family looks at me and Brother Dave, they don't see eye to eye with me. They can't understand. They see me in bondage. But I look at their shambled lives, their broken relationships, and the turmoil that they live in every day, thinking they know God and can't hear from Him. better be careful how you walk away from this truth because it's the only thing that can save your soul heads bowed eyes closed I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this place I don't care the lies that people's told you say you'll never come out I don't care what your mind says tonight. Break those chains. Please. Tonight. Leave this place free. Come. Come to Jesus. I see it on some of your faces. You want to step out, but you don't want people to think you're bound by anything. Everybody come.
Everybody's struggling with things tonight.
of hell can't put out. 